Good afternoon and welcome to uh, another VSA Capital Technology and Transitional Energy podcast. And this is our first one of the new year. And today on the podcast, so it's with myself, Bill Smith, uh, analyst at VSA Capital, but I welcome David Scriven, who's our head of institutional sales. Uh, Andrew Monk, my usual partner in crime on the podcast, is away on business in the US. And so, David, welcome. And how are you? I am very well, thanks. And I hope you are likewise. And just as a kind of a precaution, if you hear any howling in the background, it is the wind because I'm about sort of four or five floors up here and it is quite atrocious out there. But um, if you'll bear with me, I'll sort of share with you some thoughts about uh, the the market at the moment. So uh, I'll I'll head off with that. And I usually start by looking at uh, technicals and the ETFs, but looking at those and starting off, you know, the market is eyeing if the S&P 500 can break the downtrend of lower highs since January 22. And I think it's important because at 1.30 today, uh, we get the US CPI year over year, CPI X food and energy, which is expected to be 6.5 and 5.7 respectively. Now, I think that market sentiment points to a big move up if it's a lower figure and likewise a big move down on a uh, sorry, a big move up on a lower figure and down on a higher figure. That being said, the timing of any Fed pivot is really uncertain. And I think that upcoming earnings pessimism uh, kicking off perhaps in February time may not be fully matched by analysts EPS forecasts. Now, looking at particular sectors and themes, and again, technicals in ETFs, the clean energy ETFs are very positive with solar names driving performance. And I know from um, uh, work with another company that um, they've highlighted that China is looking to install between 83 and 99 gigawatts per annum of solar capacity from 23 to 25. Um, In that sector theme and technicals, it is less so in technology where ETFs in general have really only started to pierce 50 day moving averages. Now, the market is rattling, sorry, is focusing on uh, growth and value themes. And I think in enterprise software, surely SaaS names offer really better value now. And any kind of software in a number of areas, but say in that automates and improves productivity will be in demand in the current market macro environment. Now, another huge theme is AI and uh, Microsoft is looking to incorporate incorporate AI software into powering chat GPT into Bing. And I know, Phil, you're going to touch on this a little bit later. But what I also wanted to highlight is one of our clients, Superseed, Um, This AI is a top investment area for them in 2023. Um, In in other areas, I think generally semis are suffering from demand trends in wafer fab equipment. But surely, uh, if it's not this year, in the years ahead, innovation is going to have a stamp on demand in areas like gate all around transistors. And that will be a driving force in the long term. In E-commerce, a number of uh, US brokers are, are pretty positive on Amazon and they're flagging that retail comps are improving. 
that improving stock and inventory management and valuation is another factor behind their positive view of the company. And finally, I just wanted to mention Apple's initiatives to diversify from chip suppliers and use its own, e.g. replacing Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chips from Broadcom, replace cellular modem chips from Qualcomm potentially by 2024, and using its own custom displays in mobile devices as early as 2024 to reduce reliance on Samsung and LG. And that plays into another theme, which is kind of the reshoring theme. So on that, um, Phil, could you kindly uh, talk to us about some of the things that you've been seeing and your valuable insights of them? Well, thank you, David, for that. That's a bit of a that's a bit of an intro and an overview. And and, and just to, just to clarify for our investors, who I'd like to wish you all a very happy and prosperous new year to, is um, just on the CPI, David. That's the Consumer Price Index data. Isn't yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, listen, listen. Continuing on from what you said, um, and specifically getting on to transitional energy renewables. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Q cells. Uh, who are one of the uh, the biggest providers of um, of solar um, solar it's uh, silicon ingots wafers for the for the solar industry solar panel industry they've announced that they are going to expand into the US uh, this is a South Korean company Q Cells uh, and they've said that they're going to invest uh, 2.5 billion dollars building a complete solar supply chain in the United States. Uh, so that's very important news. And they're saying that they're looking to uh, manufacture eventually 3.3 gigawatts uh, of solar ingots, wafers, cells, and of course, completed uh, solar uh, modules. And that's in uh, that's in Georgia. So quite, uh, quite exciting news there and showing, you know, they see the real potential markets for solar in the States. Um, getting a bit closer to home. Uh, and this is on on uh, battery storage. Um, you know, we talk about this subject an awful lot in our podcast because it's hugely important in the transitional energy transition, as batteries and the grid are being used to stabilise um, supply when the wind's not blowing, the sun isn't shining. Um, and a company called XGen submitted plans for 500 megawatt, uh, one gigawatt hour battery storage project uh, in the uh, Midlands. In fact, in Leicestershire. That's a huge project, um, costing over three hundred and fifty million pounds. So, so quite some, quite big investment going in there. Um, continuing on a sort of theme of of, of batteries, uh, Tesla um, have also filed with the uh, Texas Department of Licensing and Registration that uh, they're going to spend seven hundred seventy million dollars in the construction of uh, facilities in Texas, uh, including battery cell testing and manufacturing. So that's a huge investment uh, potentially going in there with Tesla. So uh, things continue to be on the move. Now, on the subject of AI, yeah, David, uh, Mike, this is Microsoft um, potentially going to invest uh, $10 billion in open AI uh, that would value this company, open AI at $29 billion. I say potentially, I think it is, but anyway, it may potentially, anyway, whatever. Um, but also, uh, from that deal, Microsoft will get a 75% share of uh, OpenAI's um, profits. So you can see that's a heavy investment in AI. Um, and there was news out, I 
think, and this is on on uh, the Microsoft looking very very close in connection with this in, in at Chat GPT, which is receiving a huge amount of publicity um, as an AI AI application. I don't know if I can use Chat GPT to write my investment research, David. I doubt it, but uh, nonetheless, it's a it's a very very exciting product. Well, it's going to re recommend doc changes, isn't it? As well as helping search efforts in Bing. Um, so they're going to yeah. be um, sort of right. a market that's dominated by Google. So they're quite a ways behind, but this is a way of moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very exciting development. Um, and, and you know, there's there's a lot, a huge amount of money going into, into AI and, uh, you know, news this week that um, InstaDeep, which is a London-based AI um company is going to be acquired by biontech uh, for 562 million pounds um and institute was uh, formed in 2015 uh, it's already raised money for series a series b funding um and it, you know received investment in january uh, which google was was involved in but uh, biontech is a german biotech firm um and i think it's looking to use the uh, the ai tech for drug discovery and medical development so uh yeah quite a significant investment going in there and you know continuing a theme of investment is definitely ongoing no matter what the sort you know how soft the public markets are there's certainly investment going in privately into tech uh and Oxbotica, uh secured 140 million dollars of series c investment um, and this is a uk-based technology company um, that specializes in um, self-driving uh, vehicle tech so very exciting now looking at tech investments and a sad story in the battery tech space and hopefully one that will come good and this is british vault uh, which is, you know, David, you'll know, has started off with uh, tremendous promise, wanting to build a gigafactory up in the north of England to serve the EV markets, but um, received early stage investment, but not the customers haven't necessarily come through yet. It requires larger investment. Uh, and apparently it has announced this week that it's in discussions with a consortium of investors concerning the potential majority sale of the company. Well, you know, we really, really do hope that comes good because we do need a gigafactory uh, in the UK so we don't get behind on the on the battery tech. Definitely. Yeah. So that's so that's on the uh, that's just on the renewable side. Now, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of negative news about it at, at the moment on 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 investment, and we're trying to kind of pick up on this and say, well, you know, it's not all is what it seems. And there was, a, you know, there's some news out this week which really caught my eye, um, and this is on UK uh, fintech investment, so into you know fintech developments into the UK, and apparently. Um, we are now, this is according to Innovate Finance, uh, and I'm a report from them, is that Britain's uh, retained its position as a leading nation for fintech in Europe and the second best globally behind the US. Uh, and it was saying that the UK saw um, a dip in investment from 2021 heights, uh, but nonetheless, uh, and it was an 8% drop, I think, from record breaking 2021. Nonetheless, uh, UK fintech companies received £10.2 billion of investment. Um, and that just goes to show, you know, what a specialisation we have in, in, in this country. Um, and there are a lot, and I know from our own research, you know, there's a terrific amount of um, private 
fintech companies or some public. Uh, there's been a lot of investment going from VCs and from private equity. And I, you know, and I hope as we go over the next couple of years, we start to see some of these companies as they grow, uh, get onto the public markets. But it's a very, very exciting area uh, for the UK and something that we uh, that we specialise in. Yeah, because I mean, you know, the 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 the, sort of the, the banks at the moment, the the established ones are, are, have really got legacy tech, so there's so much opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a terrific area. And you mentioned Super C Capital uh, earlier, which is a client of ours, um, but they specialise in in seed investments, big seed investment funds, and I know that they've got um, they've got an investment in a software company. Um, in the fintech area that's already being trialled with major banks. So there's, there's, a, a, there's a terrific amount going on in the fintech space and it's well worth uh, re, you know, doing research into and looking more closely out for investment opportunities. Now, um, sticking with the, IP, the IPO markets, um, there was apparently a meeting was held last month with uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and the ARM CEO Rene Haas. Um, this is according to a Financial Times report, um, and again, it's trying to convince ARM to IPO in the UK. Well, fingers crossed that that goes ahead, but we shall see. We shall see, we shall see. Uh, quickly, on staying with semiconductors, staying with IP, uh, Nanoco. Uh, this is this is listed company, 127 million market cap. The ticket is NANO. Um, and this is a report, and it's obviously an RNS from the company as well. Uh, the company's been in, in litigation with with Samsung. Um, Nanoco produces uh, patent-protected patent, uh, patent uh, cadmium-free uh, quantum dot tech. Um, and this technology is used in very high-definition TVs, uh, QLED TVs. Now, and of course, Samsung is a big TV manufacturer, right? So uh, there was a report in Shares Magazine. Uh, I just read saying that uh, and Nanoco have announced this. Nanoco has reached a settlement with Samsung in its long-running legal battle. Um, and Shares Magazine quote uh, analysts projecting that it could net the company up to $500 million in damages. Well, that's speculative and we will see about that uh, but nonetheless uh, this has been a long-running battle for Nanoco it has been settled uh, which surely has got to be um, good news uh, and the company can look forward to developing its business uh, further ahead now staying on the subject of Samsung uh, they have their results uh, this week um, and Samsung who are one of the big, world's biggest chip makers as well as making all those smartphones we know about and uh, flat screen TVs, they're a big manufacturer of semiconductors. Um, and Samsung reported that their operating profits fell uh, 69% in the October to December quarter. Um, and it's the worst drop, apparently, in profitability since the same quarter in 2008. Well, the first thing I would point out is that uh, Samsung's been massively profitable um, and has certainly benefited from very strong memory chip um, pricing. Uh, and in fact, they said in a separate statement, Samsung attributed the poor result to a drop in demand for memory uh, that was greater than expected. So this is uh, memory chips. Um, and uh, it said that, you know, semiconductors account for 30% of Samsung's total revenue, but nonetheless, it, it's, uh, you know, as I say, it makes big profits from them. So uh, wholesale prices for DRAM chips, these are using personal computers and servers, were down more than 40% in the year to December. Um, and that was a you know an eight month let's say an eight month straight decline. Now, I, David, we talked about this in previous podcasts. Is that spend 
um, you know, we're seeing spend coming off in the PC and the computer server markets. Um, and these markets account for, I'm trying to wrap my brains here, but I'm sure more than a third of semiconductor sort of global sales. They're big, big end markets and important ones alongside um, smartphones. So what we're seeing here is slowing demand for computers and servers. You know, PCs are bought by consumers as well as businesses, but servers specifically data centers and has benefited from cloud spend. Um, so that's all slowing down and it's starting to affect the uh, the chip companies and they're cutting their start to reduce their capital expenditure. Um, and what Samsung, I think, announced, uh, oh no, it hasn't announced a cut in CapEx I can see here, but certainly Micron, who are another chip maker, they have announced they're reducing their capital expenditure, uh, as have TSMC, uh, one of the biggest chip manufacturers in the world. They've just come out with their results. Uh, they're the strong set of sales um, numbers for the prior quarter. Uh, but their outlook is a bit weaker and they're going to slight they're going to reduce their capital expenditure um, from 36 billion dollars to 32 to 36 billion so they're lowering that so a weakening you know as you discussed earlier a bit of a weakening outlook for the semiconductor sector yeah I, I also wonder you know e even within this that it's quite tough comps though isn't it even though pc demand is down quite with big headline figures because during covid we we're all buying pcs you know that's tapered off so the previous numbers were very very high so i think that might try to put a slightly more positive angle on this that the, those comps will start to improve yeah yeah i definitely think so um you are right we did see we've seen a very unusual cycle strong cycling consumer spend um, but also, you know, structural growth in cloud services, which has driven spend on um, on on computer service. And so, yeah, this is one. This is going to be interesting to watch, actually, because the market may overreact. Um, you know, if you look at the Philadelphia, the, the SOX, Philadelphia Stock Index, which tracks uh, the leading semi companies, um, I think I mean, that's down. I mean, that's down well over 20%, getting towards 30% this year. You know, the market's been hit really badly, this, the chip markets and the, you know, the NASDAQ. And so there may be an overreaction. So we'll definitely keep tracking the news here and what's happening, what's happening in terms of capital expenditure and outlook. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Now, quickly, um, just moving on, um, on the theme of... Uh, <laughs> Games and computers. Uh, I hate to say it, we saw saw results from uh, Logitech. Uh, and I've got Logitech kit at home of Logitech speakers, Logitech mouse. Um, but uh, they uh, think it's L O G N, um, and they have cited uh, what um, they've cut their sales outlook. Actually, difficult site, difficult economic backdrop. Um, and supply chain uncertainties linked to China's COVID-19 outbreak. Um, so they said that their uh, third quarter gap operating income fell by 35% on year, uh, 271 million to 176 million, with sales down 22%. Um, but I've not looked closely enough. This is a report on Reuters, so you may be right, Dave. Maybe this one is against... Um, tough comps, but nonetheless, they're citing challenging macroeconomic conditions um, and a slowdown in sales to enterprise customers in the quarter. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Now, sticking with computers, moving on to UK quoted companies, um, 
company I was always known as Batman, but it's BATM Advanced Communications, 140 million market cap, particularly with BVC. Um, um, they, uh, this company's got uh, two main operating divisions, telecommunications and uh, medical. Um, and the you know the telecoms division is involved in it has solutions for IP, what well, say IP surveillance, but software services, but in particular cyber security. Uh, MedTech's involved in lab, laboratory diagnostics, but they announced that they had won a quote substantial government cyber security order valued at $26 million to be delivered over a maximum of a five-year period. And it said the order's from a group's long-standing government defense department customer. Um, and that's for a high-speed network cyber platform. So that's some positive news there for BATM. Worth worth watching. Now, one that we have commented on um, previously uh, is Gresham Technologies. The ticket is GHT. Uh, market cap's 150 million. Uh, this company's been making very good progress over the last 12 months, and certainly as we've been commenting on it. Um, they're a software and services business, uh, and they provide... Uh, software technology for uh, data, well, let's say data integrity and control, banking integration, payments, cash, um, cash management systems. So this all is all uh, feeding into the into the banking industry. So it's tech that's related uh, to that and to payments. Um, but they've given a trading update. We've seen quite a few trading updates coming through now for the year ending December uh, 2022. Uh, and they have said, quote, following a strong Q4 uh, performance, they expect to see their revenues up 31% to 48.6 million. Uh, and revenues from their core product, this is Claretti, the software, up by 39% to 35.5 million. And their adjusted EBITDA uh, up 43% to 10 million. Now, I think, you know, uh, from from my perspective, the the thing the business has got cash and equivalents are saying is six million pounds on no debt, so that is certainly a good positive. Um, and I think that they've seen their recurring revenue, which we always look for in software companies, um, up by seventeen percent to twenty eight million. So that's actually that looks a very good uh, set of numbers there from. Uh, from Gresham Technologies and certainly continuing the momentum we've seen earlier in the year. Yeah. And I guess finally, a couple of final ones, David, from me is um, Zar, uh, that's XAAR, 158 million market cap. Um, and this is digital, uh, I think Cambridge based, and they make um, print heads for uh, industrial printers. So uh, digital print head technology. Uh, and this sort of tech is um it's complicated in that when you are printing uh onto things like packages in on drugs production lines or you know food packaging everything's moving at very fast pace through the production and the ink drops have to fall very accurately and and so there's there's this high quality uh tech um and they're you know they're, they're used primarily for printing onto medical equipment but automotive parts and tools clothing appliances sports equipment so all sorts of end markets for this um and they had a uh, trading update for the year ending december um, but they said the revenue is expected to be approximately 74 million pounds versus 59 million um and that's a combination of organic growth nine percent and acquisition that's up 24 percent 
Um, they're reorganizing their factories. Um, they are expecting, they're obviously working on reducing uh, their costs and they're on reducing their power usage. Uh, they got net cash of 8.6 million, but they did cite challenging macro conditions. Yeah, challenging macro conditions expected to continue into 2023, um, and that sales volumes of the printhead business are affected by uncertainty in China. Um, and so that has um, looks like that's impacted the the share price today, David. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, it's down down a bit, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. OK, now get one that we have commented on very previously, uh, previously uh, and again has been making has been making excellent progress. And this is IQGO, that's spelled IQGEO, uh, ticket is IQG, 120 million market cap. And they had a trading update for their four years of December and they are, quote, ahead of expectations. Uh, this is a really interesting company. Uh, they provide its geospatial software uh, solutions into the telecoms and utility network operators. Now, these are folks that have lots of kit um, in the ground uh, located geographically all over the place. So huge assets spread all around uh, that need to be accurately located. But also if you're putting in new networks, you need to know where you can actually install them and what's in, in place already. Uh, and their software takes data from a number of sources uh, for geolocation, uh, including global positioning systems, um, corporate external cloud-based sources for, for, for geospatial info. So you can get a full picture of, of what assets are around where. Um, and their products include network manager for telecom, naturally, network manager for electric and for, for gas. And so you can see what it's all used for. But very interesting business. Um, and they said the revenue for the year is expected to be not less than 26 million pounds, up from 13.8 million uh, in the prior year. So that's 88% uh, growth, and it includes uh, that's organic growth in their core business of around 65%. That's organic, um, and then then we have some acquired business in there as well. So, excuse me, a very very strong uh, momentum. Uh, and the company's moving from a loss situation into a profit situation, which is which is always kind of just kind of exciting because you don't know um, just how quickly that profit might grow. You know, you've not got a nice, long, steady track record of profit growth. It's moving from loss into profit. So there could be, you know, it could be uh, could be upside there. Um, so they're saying they're moving to profit, um, but they are investing at the same time in their headcount. Uh, strong balance sheet of eight million pounds. Um, so yeah, that looks very, very positive for uh, IQGO. Very good set of set of numbers there. And that, David, to end our podcast, is a bit of good news. So uh, hopefully, hopefully our listeners have in, have enjoyed that one. David, you anything further you'd like to to, to comment on? I'd just like to say IQG, what, what a way to finish there. It's fascinating. And uh, I haven't really looked at it before, so I really want to have a look at that. And as you say, it could be due for a re-rate. Um, but no, nothing further to add apart from, say, that big that big number I'm looking for is out any second now on the CPI. All right. Well, well, we'll leave you to get on with that and then to, to talk to investors. Um, as always, to our listeners, 
Uh, we always welcome your ideas, your inputs. Uh, please feel free to get uh, get directly in touch with uh, certainly Andrew or myself. I hope Andrew is back next week. Um, but David, I'd like to thank you very much for joining our podcast. Um, and I look forward to uh, seeing your podcast again next week. Many thanks. Bye-bye. Bye for now.